Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your host, mother-daughter team, Dr. Gloria and Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation with the mission of helping people find hope after loss. This show has been edited for your convenience. Now, Open to Hope Radio. talking about coping with sudden death of a child in a foreign country. And our second guest today is Linda Maurer. Linda Maurer lost her only child, Molly Marie, in 1991 in a tragic accident in Mexico. She is the author of Standing Beside You, a book for bereaved parents, and I Don't Know How to Help Them, a book for friends and families of bereaved parents. Her purpose in writing these books is to give help, comfort, and guidance to others coping with pain and grief. Welcome to the show, Linda, and welcome back, Gloria. Thanks, Heidi. Thank you. Well, Linda, uh, what I'm amazed about when I look at your books is, frankly, the first of one of them, you say that I'm not a therapist or counselor, I'm just a bereaved parent, and I'm like, wow. I was going over with Heidi today, we were talking about it before the show, and I said, you've hit on every topic known with with fabulous advice. I mean, they're, they're really quite amazing books. Oh, well, thank you. And they're brief. And they're kind of there. They're what a brief person could look at. Gloria and Heidi, that after Molly's death, I was given a lot of books. And if they were long, too long, I couldn't concentrate long enough to um, comprehend what they were even saying. Mm -hmm. So I tended to pick up the very, the brief books, and especially ones written by bereaved parents. Mm -hmm. They seemed to help me the most. Yeah. Well, tell us about uh, Molly Marie, and what a beautiful girl. You've got a picture of her on the front of your book and in your book, uh, Standing Beside You. Lovely girl. Could you talk a little bit about her? And also, you've got a big picture of her in the front of I Don't Know How to Help Them, don't you? Let's see. Yeah, yeah on the yeah. inside cover. Right, exactly, in memory of Molly Marie. Really, yeah. darling. Well, yeah. t- tell us about her and tell us about what happened. Uh, well, she was just a really, really fun, great kid. She had... So many friends, it was incredible. She was the type of person who loved everybody, and everybody loved her. She would give the shirt off her back if someone needed it, as the saying goes. Um, We had a lot of fun. She was very athletic. She played tennis with me and golf with her dad. And um, I, I think... One of the neatest things that we heard after her death was her college friends told us that she said her best friends were her mom and dad. Wow. And that was, that was just. And she was your only child. She was. Mm -hmm. We want to talk about that a little bit later on, but. Okay. And what happened to her? Uh, She was a student at Arizona State. And she and her friends had decided to go to Mazatlan on spring break. Um, we we had been there before with her because we had chaperoned her high school class. At Mazatlan in Mexico. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we were concerned but not that much um, because we knew she knew how to take care of herself. And the interesting thing was she had called us and asked us to meet her there with her friends, and her dad was having surgery on his arm, so we couldn't do it. 
Uh, and in hindsight, I'm glad we could not have. But she and her friends drove to um, um, Nogales and boarded a train, a Mexican train, which we know a lot more about now than we knew then. And probably than you ever wanted to know. Uh, yes. And, well, one of the most startling facts was that three other students had died on the train before Molly. Oh, my goodness. And um, anyway, um, they boarded the train. They were having a great time, and she and a friend decided to walk to the next car, and her friend opened the door, and Molly walked out, and the Mexican train personnel had forgotten to put the floor up between the two cars. Oh, Oh my gosh. That is awful. It it was a tragic, horrible way to die. Mm-hmm. And she was not found for, oh, a day and a half. And my husband and I, um, we, um, a, some, a friend had gotten us a private plane to fly over and help look for her. And then we got the call that, her body had been found. Before you went to look for her? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Which was good, a good thing, I think. I, I think so. And then we were fortunate in that um, um, a friend of the family and um, my husband's brother were able to fly over and identify her and bring her body back immediately. Well, they wouldn't stop the train. I mean, that was, and what, the girls had to ride for 15 hours? Yes, and they would not stop the train. I mean, that is bizarre. And you've been involved in a lawsuit? Yes. With, a, with Mexico or with a... You know, no, you cannot, you can't, at, at least back then, this has been 18 years ago, back then you, you could not get, um, you could not sue Mexico or the train. Now, I don't know if that has changed, but we did have a lawsuit against the travel agency in um, Tempe, Arizona. Mm-hmm. And and I'm sure uh, in talking to other people, the, the, the lawsuit's not just about your daughter and money and all that kind of thing. It's about other people, too. Well, our entire purpose was to stop this travel agency from transporting children, our children, to um, Mexico. So that, so that it would never happen to anybody else. Yes, and we mm-hmm. finally got that accomplished. The train is no longer used, or it has not been. I assume it still is not. It took a long time. Mm-hmm. And what would you say about that process? Was it... A healing process to do that, or was it more traumatic? Because I know we've got folks out there that are listening right now that are making a decision or have been involved in it or doing it right now. It is a terrible thing to go through. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, it, it's awful, but in the end, it was worth it because we did it in memory of Molly, and right. and I think we saved a lot of lives. The train cars, what we found out afterwards, they connected 
very old, horrible train cars to the Mexican train simply for spring break to transport the students. Wow. And they were not safe. They were hot. The windows would not go up. The toilets didn't work. Um, it was it was horrible. I mean, the idea of a Mexican train going—you know—it sounds really fun. Oh well, and we we assumed that the girls would have a great time. And you would think um, we had be no idea than in a the car. condition of the train cars. Mm-hmm. None. So, what would you say to folks, uh, parents who have had kids die in foreign countries? What do you think the biggest challenge is? Well, if you pursue a lawsuit, it is it, it it's very long, and uh, um, oh my gosh, I could talk an hour on that, Gloria and Heidi. Well, we may have some people that might want to get in touch with you, so maybe they could through us if they need, if they wanted to talk about it, if they're involved in it, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, no, I don't mind at all. Because I know somebody right now who might like to get in touch with you. Really? Yeah, they're pursuing one in Europe. And the husband wants to do it, the wife doesn't. Well, I think a lot depends on what they know about the accident. Mm-hmm. We knew that negligence was involved. You knew it really big time, too, and and it wasn't that satisfying. How long did it, how many years did it take you? Well, our part of it was four years. Mm -hmm. Do you think it set you back on your grief, or um, did it delay it, or uh, do you have any thoughts about grief and and doing a lawsuit? Um, It was very hard on my husband and me, very difficult, because the situation is discussed and brought up, and and there are tons of legal papers. And, um, of course, we had to go to Arizona uh, for the lawsuit itself. It's, it's very difficult, but depending on the people that you're talking about right now, if it can save other lives, it's worth it. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's the question. Yeah, this was an automobile accident, so I doubt, you know, that it's going to, but yours was recreated. How did you feel when it was all over? Because some of the folks tell us when the whole thing's over, <clears throat> the whole legal situation, they they thought they'd feel better. <clears throat> um, that is really a good question. I was glad when it was over and done with and that we had accomplished our purpose. Um, But it's almost like then you really start grieving again because you are forced to accept um, all the facts and you're not busy dealing with attorneys. And, um, you know, um, in a way... Uh, it almost uh, takes your mind off your child mm-hmm. and you deal with facts and et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think we felt better when it was all over because we had indeed accomplished them. Mm-hmm. But at that very, at that moment, you're not like, you're thinking you would be more joyous or you won something or, you know, something's happened that you wanted to happen. And then, as you say, all of a sudden you have to look at, at you know, the loss. Look into the, the face of that loss. And what our lives were going to be from that point on. Mm-hmm. 
and we had to start dealing with it. I remember my husband came home, oh, must have been almost a year after Molly's death, and he walked in the door and said, uh, Linda, I need help. I'm still waiting for Molly to come home. Mm-hmm. But see, we had been so involved in everything else that my husband hadn't dealt with his own grief. Well, Heidi, we found that men like to do, too, haven't we? Yes, and fix and fix things. And like you said, he was tied up in, in fixing, you know, winning the lawsuit, and that was distracting. Well, and I, I think men struggle even more than women with grief because they keep so much of it inside. Mm-hmm. And you talk a little bit that, about that in your book, I Don't Know How to Help Them, right? Yes, there's a chapter on death. Mm-hmm. And you talk about sexual issues between men and women, too. Yes. What's yes. your thought about that? Uh, in our situation... Uh, we were so, uh, you know, in the beginning, we were so tired for, of grieving, sex actually did not even enter our our minds. Mm-hmm. We were too tired. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was just all we could do to get through 24 hours. Right. Well, one of the things I want to remind our audience out there is that there is a myth out there that there's a high divorce rate among bereaved parents. And I keep hearing it. It keeps coming back. And being a professional, I keep hearing it from professionals, and it is not the reality. Uh, Compassionate Friends did an online study. Of course, it was a limited sample of online, but they found only uh, a 19% divorce rate. So Really? Yeah. Because I know at the time of Molly's death, they were saying it was 50%. I know. They keep saying that, and, it, and it's very nerve-wracking to bereaved parents. Oh, it is. It's frightening. I don't think I don't think therapists realize how nerve wracking it is to have them say, "Well, you know, you've really got to watch your marriage now." You are absolutely right. I mean, the statistics that Larry and I heard really were terrifying, and we have had three, maybe four, of our really good friends lose children. And they're still together as well. Absolutely. How long have you been together now? Uh, we will celebrate our 40th anniversary in October. And we'll celebrate our 50th this year, so hang in there, folks. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> we stay together. And, Linda, I guess uh, people can get your book how through ask their local bookstore to get it for you? Um, th- and it's you can on Amazon. do it that way, or you can call Centering Corporation, okay. and I have a toll-free number. Okay. Uh, that is one eight six six two one eight zero one zero one, or um, they can um, get it from me. Great. And how would they get it from you? Um, they could call three zero three two five eight seven five zero six, or write to me at um, PO box. 1638, Netherland, that's N-E-D-E-R-L-A-N-D, Colorado, 804-06. And these are wonderful books, and, and Linda does such a good job of putting bullet points in there, beautiful pictures, and gee, I think both of them are under 100 pages 
which is a lot to be said for all this wonderful information in there. Well, Linda, uh, during the last segment, I talked a little bit about Molly Marie. And for those who just joined us, Molly Marie was killed uh, in falling off a train, actually, in Mexico. And uh, that was, what, 18 years ago? Yeah. She was a student at Arizona State. And uh, so, <clears throat> anyway, what she was an only child, and I, I mentioned during the last segment that we did want to hit on that a little bit. What are some of the challenges of having an only child, Di? Um, number one, I will never have the wedding. Molly will never have the wedding that we talked about and dreamed of. We will never have grandchildren. And that really, really hurts. Mm-hmm. Um, those, I think, are, are the hardest two things. Plus, the three of us were best friends. Mm-hmm. It, it was, we've lost a wonderful friend, a, a wonderful daughter, and the future. Right. And it's, it's really very difficult. I don't think my husband and I grieve any more than someone who loses one of two or one of ten, but our future has been different. So, so how do you find hope again in your future after, after something like that? How do you find how you what? Find hope? How did you find hope again? Um, I can tell you that we had the most wonderful friends and family. Um, then I, they helped us through everything, and we let them help us. We needed their help. Um, many of Molly's friends uh, have named their children after Molly. Mm-hmm. And her friends, even after 18 years, have continued to stay in touch with us. And that, that has been wonderful. Mm-hmm. And to know there's, you know, a few little girls named after her out there, um, really is very hopeful. And, and I, I think too, um, you, you know, people have said, you know, you need to, move on, get over it. And I don't think you do that. You learn to live with it, and you learn to live well with it. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the most important things bereaved parents do is help to help others. Mm-hmm. And to move out and help others, yeah. Right. Unity. Yeah. And my husband and I, are, uh, we're still surrounded by our same friends. Uh, I will have to say that when I was speaking, so many um, bereaved parents came to my talks, and their friends did not know what to do, and so they left them alone, and our friends stayed with us, so um, that has been, our friends are our blessings. Now, how how did you, did you get your friends to stay with you? I think it must have been your husband and your attitude too that allowed them to do that. Because I think sometimes we unknowingly push people away. Well, I I, I think you do, but I, we never did push them away. We were very difficult to be with. I mean, we would go out to dinner, and a song would come on in the restaurant, and I would leave crying. I would have to say that um, um, it was not easy for our friends. In fact, a couple of them 
uh, even said at different times, I've got to stay away from you for a little while. Mm-hmm. I found my... that some friends left. You made new friends. Some friends left, and some friends came back. So I think people shouldn't be angry at them. Some people can't handle that level. No, they cannot. And um, and and that's interesting you say that because one of our couple friends, they absolutely stayed away from us. And then three years, which was about ten years after Molly died, they came back and we started, you know, we became friends all over again and it was wonderful. But I don't blame anyone, um, you know, that leaves a bereaved parent because they just don't know how to handle it. Right. It could be tough. I mean, the circumstances around Molly Murray's death and, and you're being involved in a lawsuit and, you know, the whole, you know, it's, it's quite a horrendous thing. Well, I think we ought to mention Kay Brevington, don't you? Oh, absolutely. Is, is she still um, with Alive Alone? Yeah. There's the organization Alive Alone, and it's for parents with no living children. And it's Kay Brevington. And you can find her, uh, I think she's one of our authors, but also uh, you can reach her through the Alive Alone website. And, and what a support group. Do you know Rick Yachty by any chance? No. He's on the board of Compassionate Friends, and he's a brief parent of two children. And, um, you know, he's really just an amazing person. And, and it, people like you show that life is still good. Rick and Cindy do wonderful things together. And, again, it's a couple who hasn't divorced. They've been married for years, and and uh, they have a, a, a wonderful life together. So do you have one parting shot for our audience out there before we end the show? Um, if you're a newly bereaved parent, just take it hour by hour, day by day, and you will get through it, and your life can resume. It will be different, um, but it can be just as good. Oh, that's great. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Linda, and we're uh, grateful to Coralise and Linda for being on the show. And Heidi, haven't they just shown us that life goes on with hope and as time goes on? Absolutely, and that their daughters live on in so many ways through so many people. That's right, and and wonderful books, and we want to thank you for the hope that you bring to our audience out there, Linda. Oh, you're more than welcome. So it's time to close our show. You have been listening to Open to Hope Radio. You can sign up for our newsletter, Facebook, and Twitter on our homepage at opentohope.com.